Hi, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Royal Lions Radio. I'm your host, Bill DeFilippo, joined tonight by my co-host, Nick Pollock. Nick, what's going on? Nothing much. Let's talk Penn State's schedule. Let's talk Penn State's schedule. Uh, we're in the midst of our season preview series. Of course, the first episode that we did, Nick and I went through Penn State's offense. We're going to have a few more uh, coming in the coming days. Uh, but the one that we're working on tonight is talking Penn State's schedule. It's a very interesting schedule for the Nittany Lions. Uh, trips to Wisconsin, Iowa, Ohio State, Maryland, and Michigan State. Home tilts against Ball State, Auburn, Villanova, Indiana, Illinois, Michigan, and Rutgers. Of course, things start off for the Nittany Lions on September 4th, going to Camp Randall uh, to take on the number 12 Badgers. Uh, And then things just don't get a lot easier after that. that. They take on a Ball State team in week two. Uh, that went seven and one last season and is viewed as the one of the favorites, if not the favorite, to win uh, the MAC. Then Auburn, Villanova, don't want to discount them. Indiana comes to town, Penn State looking for revenge before heading to Iowa by week, Illinois at Ohio State, then Maryland, Michigan, Rutgers at Michigan State to end the season. And to me, Nick, the big thought from this schedule is that. There is a chance we get to the bye week, and I on you know the bye week would be October fifteenth, I believe October sixteenth. There's a chance we get to the bye week, and I just do not care because the start of this schedule is so bad that I might just be totally shut out from this Penn State season altogether. Yeah, I mean we'll learn a lot about this team pretty quickly, um, which is a good thing and a bad thing. You know, I. There's a question you'll ask me in a little bit here that I have an answer that I it'll kind of go over this, but you know it's it's a really interesting schedule. It's it's a schedule that's kind of unlike. I mean, I can't remember the last time Penn State had a schedule that was kind of built in this way. Can you? Top of my head, no. I mean, last season. I don't think like we didn't under we un, we didn't know just how good Indiana was, but Indiana and Ohio State to start the season was obviously brutal. But the way that Penn State has kind of put its schedule together in recent years, it's that there are a couple of games to let them, you know, get their feet under them. Uh, a couple of non-conference games against Group of Five opponents, toss in a random Power Five opponent into the middle of that and then once big 10 play comes around things are ramping up i mean i'm looking through the schedules right here and it's there's just not a lot of stuff there's not really a ton of stuff that makes it so this stuff the toughest part of the schedule is right at the very beginning uh the Big Ten starting this season with a conference game doesn't wouldn't help them regardless of who they play, but the fact that it's in Camp Randall makes it worse. Like, they couldn't have expected Ball State to be this good, and then Auburn makes every game terrible. So, like, whew, this, this is – I'm going to say this without knowing anyone else. This might be the toughest schedule in the country to start the season that we see anyone have. Uh, yeah, I mean – yeah, I don't have every, everyone in front of me, so I can't say it for sure, but it's definitely plausible. But yeah, it's like this, there's not really a, a what you would call kind of a soft spot in the schedule until 
the last two weeks of the year with Rutgers and Michigan State. And even Rutgers should be, I mean, a lot's going to depend on if they're able to find a quarterback or not. But if they are, then Rutgers should be improved. But, yeah, I mean, every every game you would think of as should be pretty much a layup is almost in every case surrounded by really tough games. Ball State is a is a not a bad team at all. They're a very, much better team than Penn State probably thought they would be when they scheduled them. But comparatively to Wisconsin and Auburn, not as good, but it falls between those two. Villanova should be a layup game, but it follows Auburn and his – uh, and precedes Indiana. Illinois follows Iowa and precedes Ohio State. Granted, you do have the bye week before Illinois too, but yeah, it's just not, there's just not really any chance for them to catch their breath, which I mean, I, I think is kind of overrated in the grand scheme of college football. I don't think you need multiple weeks of downtime in your schedule. I think if anything, having a marquee opponent every other every other week helps keep you a little sharper. So I don't think it's, I don't think it really affects how I feel about their ability to perform against each team on an individual basis, but the fact that there are so many tough games more or less every week, obviously you do open yourself up to a big chance of things spiraling if they go poorly. Yeah, the the unfortunate thing about this schedule is that it's something that's been discussed ad nauseum on this podcast, on other podcasts, on other analyses of Penn State. It's that this is a team that is going to like it still doesn't totally know what it is yet. It's putting in that new offense. It's having its defense is going to try and bounce back from uh, some struggles last season that I think, you know, we'll talk about this on our defensive preview, but I think, uh, losing the best defensive player, perhaps the best defensive player in college football right before the season started, probably hurt them pretty badly. Neither here nor there, but this team really could use the opportunity to ramp up. It really could. Like, if the schedule could be rearranged and they could start the season, even if you throw Rutgers in that, even if you, you know, flip the first and the last game, Put Michigan State in that first game to start the season, and I don't know about you, Nick, I feel considerably different about how, you know, just my nervousness about this schedule because, you know, not even, you know, it's not even because Michigan State's not a great team. It's just Wisconsin is such a tough, tricky opponent to start your season against. It feels like if this schedule got rearranged a little bit and Penn State was start, you know, maybe put... Michigan State first week of the year, or no, put Illinois first week of the year, Michigan State in the middle of the season, and Wisconsin end the year, just some recalibration like that. And this season feels a whole heck of a lot different, in my, or, or this schedule feels a whole heck of a lot different, in my opinion. It's just what's the, the thing that they are walking into week one. It's just like, of course. Yeah, well, for sure. Obviously, it would be more ideal to have Wisconsin at the end. Yeah, I don't know. Is there any recent history of Penn State performing well when they play Wisconsin at the end of the season? I might have to look that up. I'm not really sure on that. I don't get, um, I, 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 I don't get it, Nick. Can you explain it for the people who are listening to this podcast? Well, I feel like I have some vague memories of like, oh, like, like a Christian Hackenberg and Adam Brenneman, really great connection. You know, maybe something about like a 2012 team finishing the year strong with an upset win over Wisconsin. I don't know, like something about Bill O'Brien 
Oh, what are you? Dang, I, Zach, were, we were tw- I, I thought you were going with the uh, with the Big Ten championship game. So I oh, was well, not I even thinking about that one. Well, oh, here's here's yeah. actually the funny thing. Uh, just as a total aside, when was the last time that Wisconsin beat Penn State? I think it was the Russell Wilson year, 2011, 45 to seven. Since then, uh, there was the. Uh, there were two games where the Bill O'Brien led Nittany Lions. Uh, the first year was actually Matt McGloin uh, beat them at Happy Valley. Then, of course, there's the 24 point underdogs walking into Madison. Big Ten championship game in that disgusting game a few years ago that Penn State won 22 to 10 in 2018. So it's been a, like that's that, that's actually giving me a little bit of, um, <laughs> uh, you know, take some of the weight, not weight off my shoulders, but like it, it's been a minute since Wisconsin has beaten Penn State. Well, yeah, that's a, like I'm not terribly scared of Wisconsin because it's just like you know what Wisconsin is. You line up in front of them and you beat them. Like you don't, they're not going to be exotic with what they do. They're not going to be, I mean, we still have no idea what Graham Mertz actually is as a quarterback, but, you know, chances are he's not the guy that started with what, like 29 straight completions or whatever it was. Something like that. It's like, I think we can pretty comfortably say he's not that guy. We saw plenty of evidence to the contrary as well. It's, But it's like we know what Wisconsin is, and there's a reason that Wisconsin isn't able to beat teams like Ohio State. Like when you play the way Wisconsin does, you are very um, – Sort of like you are very ripe to be beaten by teams with superior athletes because all they're going to try to do is just manball you. They're going to run right at you. They're not going to do anything crazy. They're just going to say, here we are, come and beat us. And when you have teams that can just out-athlete them, they're really not that that oppose, imposing of an opponent. Now, Wisconsin against, say, like Michigan, that's a terrible match for Michigan because Michigan – Despite the presence of Josh Gaddis, Stinks. it's still Jim Harbaugh's team. It's still Jim Harbaugh's team. And you know there's always going to be an element of we are just we're going to be that team that's going to impose our will on you. And if you try to do that against Wisconsin, it's not going to work most times. But when you are a team that is a little more creative offensively and defensively, it, like Wisconsin shouldn't be that scary. So uh, that kind of gets to a question I wanted to start, which I, to me is the big question of this Penn State football season, which is you look at the schedule, uh, the first six games versus the last six games. The first six games are three ranked teams, uh, the defending champion or team that's probably going to end up winning the championship in the MAC and Auburn, uh, a team that had you know, they have a reputation for how they want to make football games go. And the answer is not fun. Then you cut it off at the bye. And then after that, it's five teams that, you know, maybe outside of Michigan, just because, you know, Michigan, you know, for all the crap that we give them, there is talent in that program. Although their schedule is a little bit funky to start the season. It's five teams that, probably aren't going to be ranked at any point this season in Illinois, Maryland, Michigan, Rutgers, and Michigan State. And then in the midst of that, uh, they're going to come pay me a visit in Columbus. So, Nick, are you glad that the schedule is so first half heavy that 
it starts so difficult and then loosens up a bit. Or when you look at this, you're going like, man, I, 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 I wish someone a decade ago or 15 years ago or whatever it was when these, uh, when this schedule start, you know, these out of conference games got moved around and they decided to start with conference game. They were a little nicer to Penn state. So I would actually, my ideal version of this schedule, I think is you flip flop the, let's say Indiana and Ohio state games. I like having your tough opponents early because yes, you, I mean, we, as fans, we only think of it, think about it from our end, but you have to consider the fact that those other teams don't want to play Penn State early either. Like, do you really think Wisconsin is happy about the fact that they are going to have to face a, frankly, much more talented and athletic football team in Penn State week one after, you know, I mean, they barely played football last year. They had so many games canceled. They still know they're I mean, I think it's fair to say their quarterback situation is even more questionable than Penn State's. At least Sean Clifford has shown success at the college level we again we have no idea what Graham Mertz actually is like they have just as many questions as Penn State does you know I mean Ball State's gonna be I'm I'm gonna skip over Ball State we know they're tough but it's not the same level Auburn Auburn's scheduled to start the year they have home games against Akron and Alabama State in their first two weeks and then they're going on the road in a night game to Happy Valley if you think that Bo Nix or anybody on that Auburn team is going to be comfortable after having an entire season of playing with no fans in the stands and then having their first game on the road being a whiteout in Happy Valley in an area of the country that SEC teams you know, typically don't play, it's an unfamiliar, unfamiliar ground, it's a little bit of a different climate. I mean, it's only September, so it's probably still going to be relatively nice, but you know, there could be a little cold creeps in. They're not used to that. Like, that is a brutal, brutal first road game after two cupcakes to open the season. Like, I wouldn't say that I would expect Auburn to be at their sharpest for that. And, I mean, like, that's I think that's the thing that we as fans don't think about enough, is that as all the concerns that we have going to face these teams, we are talking about Penn State football. At Penn State football's worst, they are still better that a lot of teams, I mean, we saw it last year. We saw them at their worst, and they were still a good offensive team for most of the season, and they rattled off four straight wins to end the year. And it's, I mean, we've talked about it ad nauseum at this point, but it's not that hard to see how the 2020 season goes a little differently with, you know, say the Indiana two-point conversion doesn't stand or anything like that. Any little butterfly effect thing you want to talk about. But this is Penn State football. Teams don't want to play Penn State football when they have any amount of unsettledness on their roster. And, I mean, frankly, I like the way those matchups sit. I, I've already said why I'm not scared of Wisconsin. I think Auburn, I think Penn State's going to handle business against Auburn. I'm not worried about either of those two big games. So for me, if I had to pick two big opponents to be early in the year, these are not, these are not bad options for Penn State to have. Yeah, I mean, my... I mean, you you basically just touched on, like, a, a very good point on fandom, which is that, like, fans always forget two teams play games and not everything is about, like, not everything is about the one team that they watch and obsess over every snap over and extrapolate everything out, like, that sort of thing. But I, I do think you're right on that. The one way that I would disagree is that we saw last season – what half like 
what happens with a football program or what can happen with a football program when things go off the rails? When one loss begets another loss begets another loss. And if the, while I think I think I agree with you about Wisconsin and Auburn, uh, and then even heading into Indiana and Iowa. What my ultimate fear is, is that Penn State, after, and this is something I mentioned on a podcast with Matt, after this entire offseason has been talking about how weird last season was and how unique the circumstances of last season was and how, especially at the start of the year, Things snowballed early on for various reasons. I don't think this is going to happen, but I don't think it's hard to see a circumstance or a scenario playing out in which something similar happens, where they lose a hotly contested emotional game against Wisconsin. Um, You know, Maybe they beat Ball State, but don't do it particularly convincingly. Uh, I, I know our pal Greg Pickle is like convinced Penn State is going to run them off the field in that game. But Penn State's had a bit of a reputation for not being particularly great at getting past losses. So we'll, you know, we'll say they win that game, but they don't look great doing it. Then Auburn comes to town, and this team is just in its own head. Auburn's able to knock them off. They beat Villanova. They're taking on a really good Indiana team that has proven it can knock them off already. Then they have to go to Iowa. Like, it's not hard to see the demons of last season not being exercised this year. And that's the only way that I have some fear about this first half of the schedule. But the good news is I do think I do think the first four games give them this really good combination of being able to challenge being challenged but also being winnable football games nick and ultimately that's that's where i take some solace in is knowing that by the time we get to the bye week we are going to know exactly what this team is and exactly where this team is and we'll be able to have a sense of how the second half of the season is going to go and quite frankly, how much of an emotional investment people are going to be making into the team because they might be incredibly good, but they also might be sitting there two and four and licking their wounds heading into the bye. I totally agree that the snowball, the momentum effect is real. I mean, we saw it a year ago, but I think the reason that it's it's just not as much of a concern for me, at least this year, I, I, there were way more questions about the Penn State roster last year, especially with the unexpected losses of Journey Brown and Micah Parsons. This year, I think the roster is in a much better, more solid place. I think like Penn State's fate this year is very, and we said this in the offensive preview, but it's very simple. It's If Sean Clifford plays good football, this is a really good football team. If he doesn't, there are more outcomes on the table. So to me, it's like, it doesn't even really matter who the opponents are early on. Like, we know they're going to, it's a Big Ten schedule with two of their crossovers being Wisconsin and Iowa. It doesn't matter when those games happen. If Sean Clifford is who Penn State needs them needs him to be, those are games they should win. 
if he's not, then there's are games they probably lose, no matter where they are in the schedule. Like to me, it just doesn't, it just doesn't hold as much water because it's it's coming down the pipeline, no matter what on the schedule. Mm-hmm. And when the rest of the team is so solid around him, and it's really just one guy that's make or break. I don't know. To me, it just doesn't matter when the games happen, just that they happen. Right, and then. Worst comes to worst, this season's a bit of an albatross, and we start looking to the Drew Aller era, which, I, like, I don't know about you, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited to get to that. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it seems like the staff is not like totally against that being an outcome. I mean, that's what happens when you don't bring in any other quarterbacks. So yeah, I suppose. Uh, let's move on to a couple of questions. Two of them are for me, and then we're going to end with a couple of listener questions first one hardest game nick i'm guessing you're going to take that trip to maryland (laughs) yeah i I, I, we shouldn't joke about that because maryland like dragged them around by the nostrils last year but oh i think that is the most obvious trap game on the schedule by far Mm, okay i mean it follows it follows a road game at ohio state and precedes a home game against michigan like i i guess you could argue ball state is a more trappier game, but considering this is against a team that took it to them last year and it's away and it's, I mean, the biggest factor is obviously following the Ohio State game. Like, I think that's far and away the biggest trap game. What about the most, uh, the hardest game? I mean, I I hate answering this with Ohio State every year. Yeah. But, I mean, it, it has to be. Like, it's your, if, if the Ohio State game was at home, then maybe I could talk myself into something else. But going to Ohio State, Halloween weekend, you know, presumably has a very good chance of being a night game unless it becomes the big noon game of the week. Um, I mean, it has to be that. The other, the only other contender, I think, the old two, the only other two real contenders there are at Wisconsin and at Iowa. And even at Iowa, there's a bye week afterwards, so I think that does take a little bit of the sting out of it. And they get four consecutive home games before that. They have Auburn and Indiana in there, so it's not like they have easy opponents. But, I mean, there's there's a couple things just softening the, the Kinnick, the Kinnick uh, date a little bit. But, I mean, it has to be Ohio State. It's boring, yeah. but it has to be. Yeah, I mean, I agree. It's there there is no other answer like in a perfect world that game every year is going to be a big 10 championship game play-in game um and it's going to be on pen like we know ohio state is going to uh live up to their end of that bargain it's all about whether or not penn state does the one thing i will say nick do you know Ohio State's game immediately before Penn State comes to town? Isn't it Indiana? They're going to Bloomington, baby. Yeah, yeah. Let, let, let's go. Easy. Let's go. Home field apparel, if you're listening to this, why are you doing that also? Uh, I will buy an Indiana t-shirt if they have a realistic chance of uh, taking the two Ohio State that game. I mean, has, has Indiana had him on the ropes two years in a row or just one? I, I think it was... Uh, I, th- I might be. There might be a year in between the one I'm thinking that wasn't. There was like an overtime game or a down. 
No, I think I'm missing. It was the Dwayne Haskins year. I think Indiana took him down to the wire. In 2019, Indiana lost that game 51 to 10. In 2018, it was a uh, 49-26 Ohio State, and in 2017, 49-21. I think what you might be thinking, hmm. uh, you're thinking of when they played Michigan. That game, there was a. Oh wait, no, even that, like maybe. There was a, or maybe yeah. I'm thinking of a Maryland-Ohio State game. Oh, yes, that was the Anthony McFarlane game. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah that's what okay. I'm thinking of. Indiana, you're Maryland. Uh, but, yeah, it's Ohio State. Uh, it, what I will say is that my conversation uh, with Patrick Mayhorn last week, let me believe this Ohio State team is going to be very beatable. You're going to be able to throw the football on them. Uh, but, I yeah, I just can't say anything I mean James Franklin would probably like it if we said uh Wisconsin but neither here nor there uh most interesting game Nicholas honestly I I if I could put this Ohio State game I would rather have this Ohio State game be flipped with literally any other game before it on the schedule I wish they were playing Ohio State as early as possible this year like CJ Stroud is obviously not a not a pushover. He's a top 50 recruit. Like let's not pretend he's a nobody, but they are replacing an entire linebacking core. Their secondary. I don't really know how you could argue. It's going to be better. They lost its best player in Sean Wade from a year ago, and they weren't very good in the secondary last year. They, um, I mean, they lose their, I mean, Trey Sermon was an animal last year, um, granted they have Travion Henderson to come up in there and replace him and he's probably going to be a monster as well but like there are some legitimate questions about that Ohio State team and I really wish Penn State had a chance to get at them a little sooner before they had a chance to answer some of those yeah, it makes sense uh, moving on Nick most interesting game on the schedule I uh, I mean I Auburn I, I guess it kind of depends on your definition of interest. I mean, like, I'm not well, interested by any d- of the d- Big Ten teams. Like, d- Define it however you want to, baby. It's his, it's your party. Yeah, I mean, I, I am a huge proponent for playing fun out-of-conference games against very good teams from all over the country. So and, Auburn definitely— and, Hold on, hold on. In home and homes. Yes, God, please. Don't—I do, I do, I have no interest in playing, like— Virginia yes. Tech in in, in the, the in the Belt in the, Classic or anything. In FedEx field, I, I was yeah. I, w- I was talking about this with a coworker the other day. You could just have a brand sponsor the football game during a home and home. You don't need to have yeah. uh you know the uh Indianapolis Motor Speedway uh classic at Lucas Oil Field between Indiana and Purdue. Like you could play that game somewhere on their campuses. Yeah, you are literally literally taking the best part of college football out of the game when you play these games at neutral sites. It is, it baffles me every year, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to say Auburn because I mean, there's, I mean, there's a lot of things going on. One, it's a, it's a really interesting opponent that I'm not even sure the last time Penn State played Auburn, I'm sure it's probably been a while, um, but it's the whiteout. It's a night game. It'll be, I don't know, presumably it probably is a good chance to be college game day that week. Um, it's, I mean, there's, there's, it's just like, it, it's not, it's not Ohio state or Michigan. It's like those Ohio state, Michigan are in Indiana and like Wisconsin this year, Iowa, like those are Indiana. Those are fun games. 
but I wouldn't call them interesting because it's this we play them every year. It's just not as exciting. I love playing brand name uh, teams out of conference. I love playing Auburn. I would love for Penn State to play like a West Coast team. I'll be biased. I'd love to see them do a home and home against Washington so I could see Penn State play in Husky Stadium, which is one of the only stadiums that rivals Beaver Stadium, IMO. But it is just a it, – it's so much more interesting to me than anything else, that Auburn game. I, I agree with you in most respects. I um, also just, am really excited okay. to see Bo Nix pee his pants on live television. Baby. Ooh, I can't wait. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I agree with you in most respects. Uh, in, in terms of just a pure football game and how cool that environment's going to be and, like – Everything that you mentioned that comes with uh, the gravitas of a Big Ten powerhouse against an SEC powerhouse on camp, like all that stuff. Like I, like I was at Altoona when Alabama came, uh, so I like drove up for that game and then went to it and watched Penn and watched Penn State get its ass kicked and then went home. Um, so it was a great field goal on the first drive. It hell yeah. Hell yeah. We're well all, earned. We're, we're using all three timeouts. We're going to really earn this. Uh, I, but yeah, like I, like I didn't get a chance to really like enjoy and experience it in part because like Alabama was just way better. And Penn state is going good enough to beat Auburn. Penn state absolutely should beat Auburn. I, I mean, uh, I'm looking up what it is, uh, on, FPI, uh, uh, ESPN's football power index, they have Penn State about a 62% chance to win that football game. But I'm going to say Wisconsin just because of the stuff I mentioned earlier about the potential for things to snowball if that goes haywire. But then there's the other side of that. Penn State goes into Camp Randall and picks up a win in a hostile environment against a team that should win the Big Ten West. And suddenly I feel like the discourse around this team changes completely. Uh, and that, that goes to actually is a really good lead in to our first question, which is from uh, CJ Scalzetti, which is true or false. We beat Wisconsin and we are five and zero heading to Iowa. And if Penn state is of the caliber of team that beats Wisconsin in camp Randall, Nick, I, they should be, Five and zero heading into Kinnick, and you can make a case they should be seven and zero when they come pay me a visit in Columbus. Yeah, if if they beat Wisconsin week one, if I can find somewhere that'll let me make a bet that says Penn State wins six straight after that, I'll gladly make it. It's if they are good enough to win that game, they are definitely good enough to beat Ball State, Auburn, Villanova. Um, Indiana, I think, is due for some regression this year. They're just their insane turnover pace last year is just not going to continue. And of course, there's always the threat of Michael Penix getting hurt again. I don't is he is he even 100 percent right now? Yeah, I, like I, 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 I think he is. But man, I hate that. that like I I understand. Oh, it reason. sucks. Man, I hate that. <laughs> it's a terrible thought, but I mean, at, at a certain point, it it has to be at least part of the rational discussion around the team. Um, but I think they're I think they're due for some regression. They lose some really important pieces too. So, but yeah, I I, I think that's absolutely true. If they beat Wisconsin five and zero, seven and zero, heading into Ohio State, however you want to mark it down, should absolutely be the expectation. Uh, a question that we got from our pal Kevin, and I actually really like this question. 
Would you take a guaranteed win against Ohio State and Columbus if it meant you had to lose two other games? If yes, which two games would you want to lose? And to me, Nick, the answer to this question is yes, and then it's Wisconsin and Auburn. And I say that because if Penn State is able to beat Ohio State in Columbus, they are going to beat every other team on their schedule. And if you could tell me Penn State is going to be 10-2 and two with the only two losses coming in September and win, ending the season with one, two, three, four, five, six, nine wins in a row, they're going to the playoff. And uh, this has never backfired on Penn State. Yeah, no, this I same answer. It's and I, I assume the question means that by the two losses that it's you're guaranteed to win the other games and therefore go ten and two. Um, but yeah, if you, I would at hundred percent trade Wisconsin and Auburn losses for an Ohio State win. Like you said, that Ohio State win on the road in late October is so much more impactful than two September losses to a team that's one outside of your division and two outside of your conference. It's it. Yeah, it, that is, that's a no brainer for me because if you're a 10 and two team with an, with a road win at Ohio state on your resume, and then presumably a big 10 championship on your belt, that's a playoff team. And potentially two other ranked wins in Indiana and at Iowa. So yeah. like, I, I, I think I would absolutely take that. Now, if Penn state, the interesting question is 11 and one Penn State with the only loss being uh, in uh, in Ohio Stadium. Uh, that's an interesting like if you told me that's how Penn State season ends, I'm like doing a backflip because they're also going to a New Year's Six Bowl in that situation. But like, you know, the playoff has just avoided Penn State so much that I would love the chance for them to, I mean, it wouldn't even be 10 and two. It would then be 11 and two with a trip to the, with a win potential win in the big 10 championship game. Like I'd love that. I, I want Penn state to make the playoff. It has been a long time. This James Franklin experiment. Um, I would like it if they can make the playoff. Yeah. It's such, it's such a massive boost. Even if you lose your first playoff game and you're out right away. Sure. Yeah. It's still such a massive boost to, everything surrounding the program with recruiting being a big one. It's, it's yeah. one thing to say that we have playoff aspirations to actually be able to point to and say, Hey, check it out. Check out our playoff appearance here. You could be part of the next team that does that. Like it's so much more powerful. Yeah. Last question. Interesting one from Adam Martinez. What's the lowest amount of wins you'd take and still consider this season a success? And Nick, I don't think, it's a tough question for me because I think that like there is a world in which Penn State loses five games, a loses lot. loses to Wisconsin, Auburn, Indiana, Iowa, and Ohio State, but they are right there in every single one of them. And I'm not happy with seven and five, but at least like I can live with it. You know what I mean? There's a world where they lose to Wisconsin, Iowa, and Ohio State all on the road and are a nine-win football team. And I'm super stoked about that. And then there's a world where we're talking about a Penn State team that is, you know, that is 11-1, that is 10-2, and 
something like that. But in the trips to Wisconsin and Ohio State, who then go on to play in the Big Ten championship game, they just get annihilated. And we see how big the gap is between those teams. And like, I'm happy with 10 wins, but I'm not happy with that. So to me, that's a very tricky question. Like, I don't know if there is a single number I could put on it because we need so much additional context. Context. What do you think? Yeah, so I I kind of think my answer is nine wins. And I say this because if thing now great this is you'll see why this is kind of paradoxical in a second, but this could be the last season on campus for a lot of really important football players for Penn State. Like we could could this could conceivably if they chose for it to be so, be the last year on campus for Sean Clifford obviously. It could be the last year for Noah Kane. It will be the last year for Jahan Dotson. Um, it could be the last year for Rashid Walker. It could be the last year for Caden Wallace. It could be the last year for Juice Scruggs. I, that one, I think, is more unlikely than most. It'll be the last year for Mike Miranda. It'll, it could be the last year for P.J. Mustafer, Brandon Smith, um, Tariq Castro-Fields, Joey Porter Jr. It'll be the last year for um, Jaquan Brisker. Like There is the potential for a lot of attrition um, for guys leaving for the NFL and for guys just graduating at the end of this season. Granted, if all those guys play well enough to be um, seen as good enough targets to be early entrants into the NFL, chances are Penn State probably is a 10-win team or better. So, you know, a little paradoxical in that way. But to me, this is like, there's a little bit of a reload coming in the future because in all likelihood next year, you're starting a freshman quarterback. And maybe whoever wins that job hits the ground running is just a superstar right away. I'm not going to say it's impossible, but in all likelihood, there's a little bit of a reload of a step back coming after this. So it would be a little disappointing for all of the really, really talented football players that are on Penn State's team right now if they were not able to accomplish one more really big thing with all those guys on campus. I mean, the the defensive guys alone, like the Mustafer, Smith, Brisker, TCF, and Porter Jr., like that, that comp, and, and of course, guys, I'm not, I haven't even mentioned, like, um, oh, I don't know how to say his name. How do you say Arnold's last name? Ebiquete. Ebiquete. Um, obviously, this will be, he'll be a one and done here, too. It's like, there's a lot of talent that's going to be out the door and potentially out the door, so... I'm I kind of would be a little disappointed if they were not able to go to a pretty prominent bowl game. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, it's it, it's the tricky thing about where oh god, I, I didn't want to bring this into the podcast, but the perpetual go, jump from great to elite that we want to see Penn State football make that James Franklin yeah, drink uh, that James Franklin is like banking is on the horizon. If they can't make it, if they want us to judge them squarely off of that, then my answer and your answer of nine wins. Well, my very fluid answer, we'll say, and your answer of nine wins are both clearly falling short. Uh, but if we want Penn State to 
be judged on this year and where it is as a program and what it's building towards and all these other things, then I, nine wins is something that I think makes a lot of sense. But it's tough. Like, it's very tough to put a, a hard and fast number on it. I'd love to uh, – I'd love it if we could pull James Franklin aside and say, all right, James – uh, between you, me, and the lamppost, what is your answer to this question? Uh, he, he would he, he would say want to know this week, neither here nor there. Uh, but just the way that we're using wins and not performance as a way to judge this program. Because if we end up seeing a team, you know, like that, you know, say that 2011 team, which went nine and three, but in there is a 14 to 10 win against Temple, a 16 to 10 against Indiana, 23-18 against Purdue, 10-7 uh, against Illinois. Like then, okay, maybe, yeah, uh, that was a weird year. Maybe our, like, just the way we talk about the team is quite a bit different, but uh, it, it, it's going to be interesting. Uh, Nick, any final thoughts on the schedule before I do the sign off? No, I don't think so. I mean, just, like I said, overall, I I don't hate it. I really don't. I, I like the way that it lines up. That is um, a perfectly fair way to end this. Nick, uh, thank you, everyone, for listening to this edition of Roar Lions Radio. As always, make sure you're subscribing to our podcast anywhere that you get your podcasts. If you uh, use Apple Podcasts, please go and leave us a five-star review. Make sure you keep reading and supporting the site. Best way to do that is to go and purchase a couple of shirts from our store. You can find it right on our website. Make sure you're following us on all of your favorite social media channels to Facebook, Twitter, the whole lot of them. Uh, one last time, thank you very much for listening to this edition of Roar Lions Radio. For my co-host, Nick Pollock, I'm Bill DeFilippo. Take care, everyone. Penn State will be taking on a challenge when they start this schedule. And taking a challenge on is a lot like riding a horse. If you're comfortable while you're doing it, you're probably doing it wrong.